Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk Mental Health Show, where we discuss all aspects of mental health and wellness and how it impacts our physical health. We'll share stories and speak with behavioral health experts to normalize conversations around mental health and the need for occasional support. Our goal is to reduce stigma and provide listeners with tools and resources you need to lead physically and mentally healthy lives. I'm your host, Mary Renoff, and today we're speaking with Karen Rentis, a licensed clinical psychologist and director of behavioral health and primary care integration in the LA area, and we're going to be discussing mental health in the Latinx communities. Remember, everyone, most of our questions come from you, our listeners, via social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. Well, let's get started by welcoming our expert today. Hello, Karen. Hi, Mary. Thank you for coming back and joining us. Um, I really am super excited to have the conversation with you. I personally know you, but for those listening who maybe it's the first time they've heard from you, can you tell them a little bit about what you do with Providence? Absolutely. Uh, so as you mentioned, my name is Karen. I'm a clinical psychologist um, and I'm a director of behavioral health integration with primary care. So that basically basically means that I support uh, our primary care settings in integrating or bringing behavioral health to, to that setting. So when patients are dealing, for example, with depression or anxiety, we can quickly identify them by doing uh, universal screenings and then connect them to treatment according to their needs. Um, some of those patients do get the treatment at the same primary care setting, and others are supported through more traditional models, like you know, connecting them to psychotherapy or, or a psychiatrist. Uh, but in essence, uh, I make sure that in our primary care settings, we are um, identifying those patients with those needs so we can better serve them. Well, I love the work you and your team do, so thank you for doing it. Um, I know today we're discussing mental health in Latinx communities, and that's a very diverse and large population, right? There's a lot of different um, groups that are kind of, I guess, grouped in there, right? So talk to me a little bit about, are there any kind of overarching cultural stereotypes or roles that you see when you talk about mental health um, in this community? Yeah, that's that's a very uh, it's it's kind of like a loaded question because I think that there is so there's so many aspects to uh, to consider. Uh, I'm gonna start with you know giving you a little bit of like a high level response. Uh, when we look at uh, who are the members of our Latino and, and Hispanic population, uh, we're looking at let's say for example people that uh, come from Latin America. So when you look at Latin America, we are looking at least 33 countries uh, plus territories. So uh, I could start naming, you know, Brazil, Mexico, Colombia, Argentina. So there is there is a lot of um, countries that you know go into that category. So I think it's um, it's it's quite a challenge to describe uh, cultural stereotypes that, or roles that are relevant to this group because itself it's so diverse, right? And when you look at all these countries, uh, we we all have you know different historic backgrounds, and um, I think it's you know itself it's it's quite complex. Um, but uh, with that being said, uh, in my experience working with with Latinos uh, or Hispanics, uh, including you know coming from uh, uh, Puerto Rico. Um, I have noticed their values. Uh, one of them, um, you know, something like 
you know, someone saying or feeling that I don't need to see a therapist uh, because I'm not crazy or I am not depressed uh, because that that word is not part of my vocabulary. Or yes, I am struggling, uh, but I have learned that things like this are not to be disclosed outside of my family or community of faith. Uh, so at times when we have, you know, those beliefs, um, that could delay our motivation and energy and desire to to get the care that we need. And of course, if you delay care uh, to take care of your of of your emotional well being that could lead to increased symptoms. Um, so again, like I feel like none of these values are specifically uh, unique to our Latino uh, population, but from my experience, these are some of them. Um, so it's, 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 it's an interesting concept. Um, again, uh, the group itself, it's very complex and it would be unfair to look at um, cultural stereotypes that would be uh, applicable across the board. I think that's so true with any culture. I think, you know, I'm indigenous and people will ask me questions about Cherokee tribes or they'll ask me questions and I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> Not how I was exactly. raised, couldn't tell you. Um, well, you know, you you just mentioned delay of care and I think it's really interesting because, you know, we know that when you look at the Latin community specifically, it's that that community seeks out mental health care really like way less than other populations. I think I read it's 33% of the Latin community when the national average is, is at least 10% higher than that. Why, why do you think that is? Do you think it's stereotype? Do you think it's barriers to entry? What, what is causing that kind of lack of seeking care? Because we do know that the longer it takes for you to get care, the harder it may be for you to actually find success, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's, um, you know, I'm glad that you have that statistic. Uh, it's hard to uh, determine what you know what's the main driver for that delay in care. Um, I think that there there are many factors. One of them, uh, firstly, you know, given our cultures, uh, is it okay to to reach out for help uh, when it comes to seeking you know professional help? Uh, what's what's the value that uh, that person has in 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 regards to you know, let's say having a conversation with a primary care physician about their mood or uh, one step further connected with, with, with a behavioral health provider. Uh, so that's, that's one aspect. Another layer to consider, um, it's, uh, it's coverage, insurance coverage. Uh, is it a matter of not having uh, the resources to, to connect with, uh, with, with, with the treatment provider? Um, and even if those resources are available, do we know how to get to them? Uh, so I think that you know access to to resources and knowing those, where those resources reside, it, it's a big component. Um, and of course, the you know some of the stigma, um, where uh, as I mentioned earlier, could it be that you know within my value, within my culture, um, you know I. I reach out to my elders, for example, or uh, to my uh, leaders in my community of faith. Um, so I think it's it's a combination of different factors. Um, another one, it's uh, being able to connect with with the with the therapist or, or psychiatrist, whoever is going to like provide that um, specific treatment support 
feeling that you know you are connected with someone that really understands your background and feeling that okay when i connect with with this professional um i don't have to repeat myself i don't have to kind of like uh, share a lot about my own culture because this person is going to immediately get a sense of what's what's the what's the background that i'm, I'm bringing into the table so i think it's it's a combination of, of different factors I think we do hear a lot about the looks like me, sounds like me, understands me, right? I think that's really hard. So Karen, how how do we as a society, as a country, as a system, how do we support these people in their need? Uh, that's a very good question. I think that uh, one of the initiatives uh, within Providence, and I think it's also a trend for, for, you know, across the country, it's being able to provide a level of uh, care for behavioral health within the primary care settings. Uh, this is what we call integrated care or behavioral health integration with primary care, where uh, when when patients uh, of you know with diverse backgrounds uh, are connected to to their primary care, uh, we are making sure that we are asking the questions to see how they're doing with their mental health, uh, and being able to provide a level of care at that pretty much uh, brief setting. Um, to be able to, to support them. Um, uh, we also have many initiatives in within our communities, uh, communities that you know serve underserved uh, patients where they might not have uh, access to primary care, for example. Uh, we have community programs where uh, people are getting education on, or around how to take care of themselves, uh, places that they could go, uh, and not being uh, financially strained by, um, you know, the finances should not be the the driver for them to to reaching out for help or not. Uh, but I think that um, there is a long way to go um, within Providence, uh, specifically with the, with the Latino uh, population. We're making sure that we. Uh, we have caregivers that are Spanish speaking. So when those patients do come to connect with us, uh, we have uh, caregivers that could connect with them um, and simply connect with them from, you know, from a language perspective so we can better serve them and they feel welcome and they feel that, you know, that we understand where they're coming from. Um, we we also have uh, we're putting a lot of effort in you know something as simple as uh, translating documents and uh, materials for patients uh, in in Spanish. Uh, quite recently, uh, we are now um, doing we're doing depression screening for all of our patients that come through our primary care settings, um, and we 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 aim to identify patients that who prefer to to speak in Spanish and we we aim to connect with them and provide those screening tools in in their own language so I think it's again there is a long way to go but I think that we are on the right path there is great momentum great uh, interest in in increasing our our efforts to to support uh, Latino patients the Latino population 
I love, you know, that Providence has kind of put a stake in the ground and, and really made this something to focus on. But and, and, you know, Providence is a large system, right? But we know we can't do it all on our own. And one of the things I know that your area works on is kind of these key partnerships in the community. Is there any partnership or anything that comes to mind that you think is really moving the needle when it comes to Latinx mental health um, services? Absolutely. We have uh, one particular partnership with a, with a community organization uh, where we are connecting um, senior patients who are English speaking or Spanish speaking, uh, who are dealing with depression, and we are connecting them with peers, what, what uh, this organization calls um, peer support specialists. And their peer support specialists are people that also have uh, gone through uh, symptoms of depression or anxiety, and they have identified uh, peers who are able to support uh, Spanish-speaking patients because they, they speak Spanish. So uh, this particular program uh, doesn't have any financial uh, implications for, for our patients, but we're seeing that because of these peers that are in the communities connecting with our patients in the community, our patients are likely to follow, you know, treatment recommendations that are getting from, from our healthcare providers, but also those peers are uh, the extended arms of, of our providers within the community. So they're also doing uh, their, their fair part in supporting wellness uh, of our patients in the community. So that's an example how that you know peer-to-peer -peer, uh, support uh, it's proving to be a, a great um, partnership to to connect with our patients within their communities. How fun is that? I love it. I feel like that could be a whole separate show. So we might have to Definitely. bring it back again. <laughs> well, this is a great conversation. I do know we're uh, almost out of time for our first half. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation on mental health in the Latinx community.
we are back and we are talking with Karen Rentis about mental health and the impact on the Latinx communities. And Karen, we talked a little bit earlier about some of the potential stereotypes or, or negative things around, you know, culture as it relates to mental health. But let's talk about some of the positive because I know, you know, with Latinx communities tend to have kind of a strong sense of, of ethnic identity, family identity, and which can really lead to resilience, connection, kind of a, a sense of a network. Talk to me about some of the positive aspects. Definitely. I, I really like this question, Mary, and I think that you know that. <laughs> um, I think that when, when it comes to we looking when we're looking at certain core concepts of what you know what entails emotional well-being, there are a couple of them that are supported and maintained by our uh, Latino cultures. Uh, let's take, for example, uh, what we call uh, behavioral activation and and you know that linkage uh, with depression uh, basically we as professionals we believe that someone that starts feeling depressed or sad they increasingly disengage from their routines they uh, withdraw from their environment and over time uh, that withdrawal increases uh, our depressed mood uh, we lose our opportunities to be possibly reinforced through pleasant activities, social activities, and even experience that sense of accomplishing good things in our lives. Uh, so that's that's an explanation of uh, behavioral activation. How is that related to depression? When it comes to our cultures, um, there is there is a connection and belonging that are that are those those are two very strong values within our communities. Uh, so those are like protective factors that keep us active and not isolated. Uh, behavioral activation, it's a concept that as you are active and not isolated and connected with other people and engaging in, in new activities that keeps that keeps your well-being and that protects you from um, being in a in a depression, um, you know, vicious cycle. And that's something that you know, many of our Latino cultures provide us, they provide that sense of, you know, being active and taking care of, of ourselves by um, being engaged in, in different activities. And the other concept, it's what we call altruism. Uh, this concept refers to our beliefs and practices of uh, the importance of caring for others without necessarily expecting something in exchange. Um, and I'm pretty sure that you're aware that in many of our Latino cultures, we learn to take care of others. That's that's a core value that you need to take care uh, of your aunt or your or your cousins or your neighbors. You you need to look for them because those are those are that's your support network. Um, and and one interesting aspect is that research does show that people generally feel better when they help others uh, because when we help others we experience that feeling of we're helping others for the greater good of our families our communities uh, country and even the world um, so i think that those that that concept of you know helping you know our our community brings that sense of accomplishment um, connection and it's it's good for our well-being and that's proven by research. I love it. 
I we actually have a question that I think resonates with what you're saying, and it, it comes from Grace via Instagram, and she says, "My family's very close, and we share everything, but I feel like I need to talk to a professional about my anxiety and depression." family doesn't understand why I want to talk to a stranger rather than them helping me. How can I get them to understand my needs without hurting their feelings? Oh, that's, that's a, that's a interesting question. I think that, um, tapping into what's important, uh, within your family, uh, I'm pretty sure that, you know, from what you share that, you know, every every everyone uh shares everything uh you know that at the end they they care for you uh so i think that you know communicating that um that this is my way and this is your way of taking care of me it's by allowing me to have this conversation with 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 someone that could uh give me a different insight or perhaps confirm what you would have said anyway if i if i wanted to get the support from within my my own family but it's it's an interesting question because you know everyone has their own family dynamics within our cultures uh but i think it's it's you know being able to identify what's what's the driver and what's what's the rational behind not, uh, you know, behind uh, that desire to manage uh, certain things within the within the circle and being able to kind of like tap into that and kind of like use the same argument, but kind of kind of like give a shift and, and reconnect with uh, with that professional that you think that might be able to help you. Well, speaking of professionals that can help you, we had another question come from Selena via Twitter, and she said, I'm Latina and my therapist isn't. I feel like his lack of understanding about my culture is preventing us from connecting. Is that a valid reason to find a different therapist? First of all, I think any reason is valid, right? But is, <laughs> would you would you encourage somebody to continue trying to find somebody that they feel like they connect with? I w- I'm going to say yes, but <laughs> there's always a but, right? Um, I would encourage um, to have a conversation with a therapist about specifically that. Um, I always say that regardless of um, what you decide at the end, but if there is something that it's not working when when you're already connected with the behavioral health provider that you feel that it's not working within that relationship, giving yourself the opportunity to bring that to the therapist. Um, as a therapist, I could share that whenever someone uh, comes to me and tells me, um, you know what, this is not working, you know, you are not a good fit for me, uh, that gives me the opportunity to have that conversation. And if there is something that I could do from my end uh, to, to um, better help and better assist that patient, I'm definitely going to to try to do that, uh, but also um, it, it it will give you the opportunity to clarify what's important, what's missing, and and give yourself a chance to kind of like where is this coming from. Um, so yes, if at the end if it's not working, uh, go for it. I, I'm a true believer that you know we all are. Uh, accountable for taking care of ourselves. So if that uh, therapist or that um, provider is not a good fit for you, go for another one. Just give yourself the chance to have that conversation uh, with that provider. So it could be a learning experience on both ends. 
spoken like somebody who tries to help people get healthy. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, you know, I do think it's important though to talk about kind of this Latinx community and the caregivers because we do know that there's kind of a national, I don't want to use the word crisis, but I think if you're talking about BIPOC as a whole, we would probably say there's a crisis and a lack of um, um, BIPOC caregivers in the behavioral health space. So what do you think we can do to help promote getting more members of the community, um, both to seek care, but then to get more people to go into the to the space of actually becoming mental health providers? I mean, at a um, organization level, I think that we could, uh, I mean, it would be wonderful to partner with, you know, um, education, is it schools, uh, high schools, and just kind of like being able to uh, establish a culture that this is this is a very rewarding field and being able to have those partnerships with communities uh, where we are we are like inserting those values that you know come into to mental health it's it's a very rewarding field so from a from an organization level I think that uh, we could we could be more intentional in creating partnerships so um, this field it's it's an option to to many students that are uh, that are in that uh, process of deciding what what, what they want to do with, with their professional lives. Um, from a uh, perspective of coming to treatment, um, I mean, I think that across the board stigma when it comes to behavioral health, it's it's present. Um, I think that again, like we we are responsible of taking care of ourselves. So at the very least, you know, having a conversation with the primary care physician, what's what's going on. Um, I think that primary care physicians do possess a unique uh, set of uh, skills that uh, it could it could be uh, it could be super beneficial to have that first conversation with with a primary care provider that could then guide you in terms of where to go or uh, perhaps uh, you know many, many many primary care practices do have behavioral health specialists embedded in their in their spaces so uh, being able to connect you with with a provider at that same setting. Uh, so I think that there there is a long way to go, uh, but I am I am confident that you know the more we normalize mental health, uh, we are going to see a, a a good positive result in both ends, having more uh, professionals uh, serving our patients, but also having more people willing to 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 have those conversations with with the professionals. Uh, I think it's it's um, it's a uh, it takes a village, but I think that we're getting there. Well, I do think we have a long way to go, just in general, when we talk about mental health as a whole, but especially in the Latinx communities. And I say this because I want to ask you a little bit about kind of younger members of the Latinx community, because, you know, I think you and I've talked before that Latino girls have the highest suicide attempt rate, right, in the entire country of any any nationality. Um, and and I, I do feel like there's a lot of, you know, conversation happening. I do feel like there's a lot of work being done. But how do you see mental health impacting kind of the younger members of Latinx communities? Is, is something that stigmas maybe improving? Do how do we How do we talk about this? I feel like it's such a big opportunity for young people. 
Um, I, I, I do believe that many schools in, in our country are taking the lead in, in bringing those conversations to the students. We have, you know, many programs where we are, uh, from a prevention side, we are educating uh, our Latino uh, students, uh, but also uh, we have, you know, school counselors that are embedded in the schools already doing the, the work in, in helping with helping our our students. Um, I think that there, there is it's a good momentum. Um, I, I think that you know from from 2020 and and COVID there is a such beautiful uh, increased awareness of uh, mental health um, and I think that's you know in years to come we're gonna we're going to see uh, people you know, reaching out for help, but also more resources available to the to the community. Um, with with specifically with Latina students, um, you know, it's 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 an interesting because um, we know that females are uh, more likely to seek out for treatment, um, and uh, with that statistic that you share. It's it's interesting. So we have more suicide attempts within within uh, within Latina teens, but also we know that uh, females in general they tend to be more open to follow treatment. So that gives me hope. Uh, I'm just hoping that uh, they're going to be able to connect with with treatment uh, uh, quickly, uh, so those symptoms are not getting. Um, are not, um, they don't increase and they become a major problem. I feel like I could talk to you all day and I feel like this topic needs a lot longer. We're almost out of time. So I'm going to ask you kind of a, a, an open-ended broad one. Is there anything else around mental health in the Latinx communities we didn't touch on that, that you would want to kind of as a last parting word share with the audience? Um, I think that uh, one value that is not necessarily uh, specifically to to mental health, but I think that one one thing that it's for us Latino me included, uh, we tend to see the physician or the doctor as someone with a lot of power, right? So you, you get to see your, your primary care physician or pediatrician. Uh, at times you kind of like feel afraid of bringing uh, certain issues that you're dealing with because that kind of like power dynamic. Um, and of course, adding the layer of, you know, dealing, if you're dealing with, with a mental health issue, uh, being able to work through uh, those uh, beliefs that, you know, that provider is there to serve you, that my primary care physician is there to serve me, right? Uh, and being able to have those honest conversations, giving your, your yourself the chance to have those um, uh, conversations without um, kind of like overcoming those feelings that, okay, this is someone that, you know, has so much power that I, I could be afraid of, you know, sharing my, what I'm really feeling, just giving yourself the opportunity um, to have those conversations with, with, your, with your provider. That was really good advice. Thank you, Karen, for joining us today on Let's Talk Mental Health. We look forward to continuing the important conversation on mental health and wellness with more experts from Providence in our future episodes. Make sure to listen to all of our shows on Dash Radio under Future of Health Radio or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our missions, programs, and services, visit providence.org. And for a free mental health resource hub, visit worktobewell.org slash wellness resources. That's work, the number two, 
bewell.org slash wellness resources. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're not alone. Providence cares.